Hi everyone, welcome to Post Credit Club. I'm your host, Noor. And today we're back with my best friends, Leal and Ria. Want to say hi? Hey! Um, so I guess we'll just sort of get right into the rest of our conversation from last time. For those of you who are tuning in to us from the previous... For those of you who are tuning in um, just now into our Oscars conversation, what we're doing is we're going through the above the line category, starting from like the biggest awards of the night from this past Oscars that just happened on March 12th. We're going through all the nominations and it's been a lot of fun. And we are just going to discuss if we're okay with those that just won, if there's anyone else that should have won, and we'll just take it from there. So without further ado, we'll go on to the next category that we had to talk about last time, which is Best Director. So for Best Director, we had the following nominees, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, mm-hmm. Ruben Oslin for Tar- Triangle of Sadness, and Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And the Daniels were the ones who won. So take it away, guys. What do we think? Oh, I um okay. I guess I'll start. <laughs> I think uh, well deserved. I mean, partly because I don't know the other movies. So, um, but no, I think I think probably directing that specific movie was probably a harder task than any of the others because it was done like very seamlessly and they had so many like back and forths and all of that. So like. Yeah, that's and my it's take. It's such a complex movie too, right? Like the story mm-hmm. and to be able to bring it together in a way that makes sense to us and is also heartwarming. It's magical how that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. They did such a good job with it. Mm-hmm. And then I would also say that the tone, I feel like they have a very specific type of humor and tone that's going in the movie. It's weird, but it works. And they set that through their direction. Leal, what are you thinking? All right. I definitely agree with everything you both are saying. Like, I feel like it's a well-deserved, um, like, award on that part. Just because, honestly, it is such... Again, I think we talked about this... Did we talk about original sc- screenplay in the last episode? I don't quite remember. Yes, but did. So, like, I... Like, I like, that sort of originality part of it definitely ties into sort of the direction of how the movie was, like, done. And definitely, like, I would have to lend that to probably the cinematographer as well. Like, they definitely deserve a lot of credit for that, too, for, like, working really well with the director to be able to really, like, the directors to really get that vision across. Because, like, it is such, such a chaotic movie that you need that sort of, like, great narrative and great voice to be able to like tie everything together and to really just make sense of everything because to be honest this type of movie you could easily get lost in um obviously depending on the cuts and things like that because there's like atrocious there's a lot of movies out there that have atrocious sort of direction and like editing which like throws you off bohemian rhapsody was terrible should not have won the oscar but i mean rami malek can do no wrong but still (laughs) but yeah Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what were- um, so yeah. what are we thinking about the other nominations? So we had Martin McDonough for The Banishees of Inisherin, which is another movie that we were like so in love with that we mm-hmm. spoke about it so much in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg for The Fable Mints, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Austin for The Triangle of Sadness. I don't know about you, but I want to kind of get into The Triangle of Sadness because I... I don't I, I don't get the hype for this movie. <laughs> oh, I have a lot to probably say about that. Like looking at my notebook right now, which I still have, I wrote let's see, how many pages? One, two, three, four, five, six pages about this movie. Oh my god. Oh my notes. god. No- <laughs> Is it gonna be like a rant? It's just notes of like things that I pulled out from it because like to be honest, like I saw this like kind of meme sort of about like this sort of movie. Like Triangle Triangle of Sadness really bothers me. Wait, can you can somebody give me like a quick like two sentence summary of what it's about? Uh, uh, sure. sure. Um Noor, do you wanna take that yeah, away? Yeah, sure. It's more like it's one of those eat the rich kind of movies again, um, where you have these people who I don't remember most of the movie that much, but they're all on a boat and it starts capsizing or something and then they get stuck on an island and it's sort mm-hmm. of like rich versus poor. That's honestly Ooh. the most that I can say. It sounds interesting, but in my opinion, I don't think it was executed as well. Okay. But maybe there's just stuff I'm not stuff I'm not picking up on. So I'm very interested in what you have to say about this, Leo. Yeah, <laughs> let it rip. Um, okay, so, well, like, Anur gave a great summary of it. So, essentially, like, the whole movie is divided into three parts, I believe. It was, like, three chapters, essentially. And, to be honest, I don't know if you agree with this, Noor, but I think the first two parts of this were the strongest and the best parts of this movie. Wow. The... I feel like the last part was the strongest part. Really? I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I remember nearly Ooh. falling asleep in the first two parts. There were some nice parts here and there. I don't know. I was just way more invested in the third part. And the third part is when they're actually marooned on the island. The first part, I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe just because it felt it- so much to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I to be honest, I feel like the the I think for me, what ruins the last sort of act, I guess, is the ending. I just did not like it felt so f- it felt so flat like there was this whole sort of like build up through the whole movie and then it was just like the ending was flat spoiler alert Rhea but like um like I don't know it just felt really flat. no worries I'm mm-hmm. I was just saying um it reminds me of is it like Lord of the Flies because it kind of like I'm getting that vibe a little bit of it a little bit somewhat uh, like in the in the last mm-hmm. half exactly yeah yeah, yeah. okay but yeah. can you just remind me what the ending was all i remember was someone running through the woods and then it went to black basically that was it oh, yeah right and i remember being like Hello. <laughs> okay i guess no because it's like okay basically the ending part is essentially where ugh, i totally forgot what the girl's name was but like the other uh girl like the other lady like she basically takes a rock and she's about to smash the other girl's oh, head yeah. right and then, like, all you see is that male character just running through the woods, right? And then that was it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. See? Right? So there's, like, no so- explanation. There could have been, like, an extra scene. Or, like, maybe he stops to rethink or something. But yeah. to end it that abruptly, it didn't make sense to me, at least. Yeah, yeah. It's just for me, I think this is what's a problem with, like, 
a lot of these sort of eat the rich sort of movies, to be honest. It's a lot of them, like, are very obvious in their messaging. Like, I feel like the menu is also a little bit of like this. And to be honest, I like the menu a little bit more than this movie. Um, because that one, that one seemed actually more coherent and it seemed like, it just, it just, it just, it just did the concept really well. But I feel like the issue with all of these, like, sort of movies is that they don't, like, they definitely criticize the rich, obviously, and they criticize, like, how they act, how their lifestyles are, all that sort of stuff, but they don't really criticize what makes them rich and the system that makes them rich, which I'm like, I think that's where it should be and i find it honestly very ironic that like the triangle of sadness is like very much an each eat the rich sort of movie and then it's the movie that gets like it's a movie that gets like projected in like can the Cannes film festival where there's like a plethora of just like rich people yeah, right? just hanging around when that happens <laughs> and i'm like so okay <laughs> i feel like i feel like i feel like um it's their way of like staying humble you know <laughs> Like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, we get it. Uh, One of you guys, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I don't know. Like, sometimes this is why, like, these Eat the Rich sort of movies kind of irk me a little bit because I'm kind of like, okay, like, arts, art is obviously meant to be a criticism and meant to obviously make some points and, or like to kind of play some satire or some things like that. But I'm like, is the art really getting across its message if its audience is the one it's criticizing like i don't know if that's really <laughs> if it gets its point across yeah it's like this weird loop it does because to be honest too like art is only possible because of people who do have money right right but it's meant for the consumption of people who are rich yet the critique is the people who are like i don't yeah, it's, it's very ironic cycle. i know yeah that yeah. is very deep <laughs> but yeah sorry off tangent but i like like uh, like for me i really like the first act and the second act especially just because it does like there is that whole part in the beginning where it does like sort of essentially like compare the modeling industry mm -hmm. right and then where it's like really like essentially showing you how male modeling is versus like female modeling is and what that actually means for sort of gender dynamics right and you kind of see that also play out with the relationship between that main right, like younger yeah. influencer couple you see that sort of gender dynamics and really what's the relationship of money to gender right and how they sort of interplay with each other and like how they really affect sort of the power dynamics in a relationship as well which is really interesting because you do see sort of it kind of like flips or reverses the gender roles in this case where like the uh like the, f the female in the relationship she's the one who has a lot more financial power and a lot more like leeway or more leeway right to be able to do things but and the man and the like sort of the male in the relationship doesn't so i found it interesting though that like at the beginning of the at the beginning of the movie is that she essentially says that she's trying to test him, right? And that's why she sort of, like, puts that bill, doesn't even, like, like the pills on the table, she doesn't even look at it, like, sort of just assuming that he's gonna take care of it. Yet, she's the one who makes more money, and she doesn't even try to make the attempt to pay for it. So I find it interesting, because it's also then later on, she kind of justifies herself, because she's just like, oh, but, like, there's a certain age limit for me as a model, and I am done like i am not desirable anymore in this industry and if for example she were to get pregnant or whatever she's definitely going to be out of the job 
Whereas, like, even though, yes, the male in the relationship, he makes less money, he will still be able to work, no matter what. Right? Like, it doesn't really, like, age is not as much of a factor for him, I feel like, in modeling. So I found that very interesting. That sort of, like, just a bit... Juxtaposition? <laughs> yeah, I can't English. <laughs> Juxtaposition? Juxtaposition, that's the word I'm going for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I found it interesting, then, like, the second act was, like, the whole, where they were all on the ship scene. By the way, I do not know if you felt the need to throw up yourself in the second act or not. Yeah, I did. I definitely did. And I think, I think after a while, I think for my taste, it was a bit too excessive. We're like, okay, I get the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was going for that absurdist angle, right? Mm-hmm. It was going for that. But I don't know. I, I, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm not, like, during the whole thing sequence, I'm kind of, okay, like, I get it. it but at some point, it was, like, playing it, like playing it up too much. But I like that part, especially, too, because, like, you do then really see, okay, um, you see the people who are wealthy, who do have that, like, economic and financial power, how sort of their dynamics play out. And you see, which is, I found it really interesting, though, you see sort of essentially the people who are POC, like a lot of the Filipino sort of Mm -hmm. workers that were on the ship, you see that there's sort of a differentiation between them, between essentially the main crew, which were all like a bunch of like white people as well. And then you see like essentially the rich class who kind of like override them on the top. So I found that really interesting that there is, uh, that like, they presented the whole class structure. And then, in a way, they do flip that class structure, like, on the island, right? Mm-hmm. And I find it ironic, actually, that when it comes to the island, that even though, yes, the structure is flipped, even if, for example, the, because it was that, it was the Filipino um, ship worker who did take over, essentially, on the island in the last part, she, even though, yes, she was at the bottom of the class system before when they were on the ship, and now it's flipped where she's on top, she's essentially still participating in the hierarchical structure. Yeah, she is. So it's not like, it's not like, for example, she demolishes that structure. She still participates in it. Right? Exactly. And like you said, because there isn't that sort of critique for the structure itself, it's just a cycle then. And you just have someone else at the top of the ladder. Exactly. So that's why I was like, I found it really interesting that it didn't sort of essentially like paint sort of also the lower classes necessarily very, very saintly, mm-hmm. right? As well. Which also, uh, interesting, like, like this just reminds me to like Parasite, right? Parasite is also partakes in that too. In that, like, even the lower class still do, like, even though, yes, they are the ones who seem like they're oppressed and all that sort of stuff, they are also still, whenever they do have the chance or opportunity, they are also willing to step into the ranks of that yeah. hierarchy. I was just going right? to say, this reminds me of um, Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, good comparison. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great connection to it as well. But I think for me overall, why I didn't enjoy the movie, because it was so, like, in your face about all of this. Yes, there's no subtlety. There is no subtlety at all. And I'm like, okay, like, please don't spoon feed me. I understand what is going on. Like, at least Parasite sort of had, like, that really, like, it was, like, it was still sort of a mystery in a way that you were also trying to unravel, right? And it had a little bit more subtlety than this necessarily 
<laughs> right? Yeah, the narrative parasite was just so much more compelling. It because was. you actually care about these mm-hmm. characters, the family dynamics, you're rooting for them. That that setup isn't really there because from the get-go, you're watching people you don't like. Do you know mm-hmm. what I like that influencer couple, for yeah. example? Like while you understand where they're coming from and them establishing the gender dynamics and everything, you don't I don't I don't know about you. Like I don't know, but these aren't very likable people, so it's really hard no, to root for them. Yeah, I think that's yeah. why in the third act, when you see the Filipino lady, I think her name is Abigail, when she mm. starts saying over and she has control over the over the rest of the people, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great because, you know, this is someone that I actually root for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I was like, I was in Abigail's, like, side. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was sure. in her park the whole time. Because <laughs> none of the other characters were, like, likable at all. <laughs> like, you could not, exactly. like, relate to them in any sort For of me, way. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that they don't, like, introduce her much in the first act. And she mm-hmm. doesn't really pop up until the third act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's why, that's, like, that's why it was, like, very, like, weird to me. Like, they only, uh, like, I remember, if I remember correctly, there was only, like, two instances where they really introduced sort of, like, the, like, essentially, like, I guess the POC or, like, Filipino sort of stuff in the ship. Like, it was the one cutscene at the beginning, and then there was a second one where they were cleaning up the, after the whole vomit, whatever, mess. And then, like, that was the only other time that you see them. And then... Then you see Abigail, and then you're like, okay, I guess this is where we're going now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just the, it was just so, I think that's why I had so many pages, to be honest. It wasn't more out of anger. It was more out of like, oh, okay, I see this. Okay, like, that's an example of class hierarchy. Oh, that's the irony of what they're doing. Duh, duh. Like, it was just so obvious. Everything was just so obvious. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so, okay, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one that didn't completely get it. Because I know some people were like, this is a very satirical kind of take on, like, the class system and all that. And I thought, but yeah, it just still doesn't yeah. hit. I don't think it, I don't think it just went for what it was going for. So I don't understand the hype. So, like, I watched it because of the hype, but I personally didn't care for it. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't care for it. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people do recommend the director's other films, apparently, that are, that are, like, also pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, just wondering, sort of, how does this sort of movie kind of, like, what's its place in its, in his film, yeah. filmography, right? Like, that's what I'm wondering, because, like, I feel like I would also, I feel like I'd be a better judge of also this movie, maybe, if I knew more of his filmography as well. Um... But yeah, so I I mean I thought I'm glad that I watched the movie because like now I'm more interested in watching like his other films. Yeah, for sure. Just to see what they are all about too. So mm-hmm, that makes yeah. sense. All right. Um. So let's move on to the best actress category, which was a very interesting mm. category. There was quite a bit of drama actually leading up to this. I'll I'll talk about this. Oh, okay. You might have actually heard about this layout, but I'll mention it anyway. Um, so Best Actress, these were the following nominees. You had Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. You had Ana de Armas for Blonde, which was a Marilyn, the Marilyn Monroe biopic. We had Kate Blanchett for Tar. We had Andrea Riseborough for a movie called To Leslie. And Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. And of course, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. One. 
What I yeah. wanted to mention was that in this list, Andrea Riseborough. So this actress, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was basically like this mm-hmm. grassroots campaign for like where like all of her famous white actors and actresses went to Twitter and were basically campaigning to get her nominated for her work. Because this actress was not in any sort of like awards conversations like for the Critics Awards baftas or globe golden globes or anything like that but then she just happens to show up mm-hmm. for the oscars like where all these you know with all these big stars like gwen gwen paltrow edward norton out actively campaigning for her to get nominated for her oscar so there was this whole mm-hmm. conversation like about does that work now does that does mean does that mean people can just you know ask their co-workers to do that and have some sort of nomination have some sort of path be made out for them from all the different critics awards and all that kind of stuff there was quite a lot of contention mm-hmm. about that and i think the academy was looking into it at some point to, to see whether or not it works or not and i don't know if it came to some sort of conclusion or not but obviously they didn't do anything about it because their nomination is still there but people were like this mm-hmm. sets a bit of a precedent for the future now Okay, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm not, like, I don't see it as necessarily really very controversial because, like, you do have those very famous, like, essentially ad campaigns, right, that mm-hmm. a lot of movies do employ in order to appeal to the Oscars, right? Like, you do have a lot of these, like, essentially these, like, um, studios, right, that they, like, they have essentially a whole department dedicated to just going after and trying to fund like their movies and put them in people's faces to get them nominated right like i'm so sorry i forgot to mention the most important part about all this which is why it was so controversial Mm -hmm. one is the fact that she's white and she's using her white privilege to you know make get her way especially because in all the other awards like in the golden globes and all that the nominees that were there in place of her were actors like were like viola davis and daniel dead Weiler were both black women mm-hmm. and people were like there's you know they were you know they were snubbed basically f- by someone who had white r- peers root mm-hmm. for her online on instagram mm-hmm. because it makes sense because they were showing up in every other awards categories for all the other award shows except for this one they didn't get a chance to like shine because people were like there's a track record why wouldn't someone like viola davis be nominated for something like the woman king because she's mm-hmm. already been mm-hmm. nominated throughout the awards season. But when it came to the Oscars, like this other lady showed up instead. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, I like at the same time, like, I I don't know. I feel like, is this the, the sort of the, the hill that everybody's going to fight on? Because like, I understand obviously there's a privilege with that. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of these studios like just do this under the table like exactly it's yeah. just emblematic sort of of the whole system rather than mm-hmm. to necessarily pinpoint the blame i would say on this <laughs> on this one sort of woman right. and her getting nominated you yeah. know that's like, like that's what i feel like like i don't think her whether it's like not her fault necessarily right yeah like i don't think her, it's her fault like i'm also i just pulled up like sort of like a little bit of more information about it too just so like like it does look like as if like sort of the director and the wife they're the ones who actually started like the celeb backed campaign is like what i'm reading here so 
it seemed like like she necessarily wasn't a part of this conversation necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I obviously I don't know what went behind the scenes or anything like that. But again, I don't think this is necessarily that surprising. Just because like again, this practice has always been done. So I would say a better argue for I would say a better thing to essentially like complain against or criticize is actually a lot of these studios and who they choose to sort of back and nominate and like make sure that they're nominated to be honest because the studios have a lot more power than necessarily this one director and his wife did you know like obviously this might set set like sort of a little bit of a trend like you said because like okay then maybe then this could actually be used for good right where you could use this sort of essentially structure to be able to like implement that for people who are POC right which I guess would definitely make it a little bit more democratic right in that way right but like, see the thing is that a lot, then everybody saying, has access to that. a lot of people are saying mm-hmm. that like if it's POC you know it's not even going to actually earn that nomination that it would just mm-hmm. it, that it would just look silly in comparison to what happened here just knowing that we had this, you know, knowing that we have the structure. Right, yeah. Like, and, and definitely you could argue that's just because we do have a lot of people who are not, PO, like, white people and people who are not necessarily POC just in the industry themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that's just, unfortunately, like, how it is yeah. right now currently, though. Like, obviously we'd love for it to be more diverse, and, but it's not necessarily exactly. <laughs> reflecting the reality of it, right? So... Yeah, like I get, I under totally understand it because there's definitely a like there's definitely an instance of privilege there, right? That she did like essentially you like everybody use their connections, right, to be able to do that, and then the way you develop connections is is if you have privilege, right? It is a cycle. So yeah, I think yeah. if anything, it was just surprising that it was sort of done publicly, like you said, mm-hmm. because it's the sort of stuff that usually happens under the table. So for it to have been so public is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not so surprised. I don't know if you guys know Emily in Paris. What happened with that whole situation? Uh, no, what happened with that? Okay, so Emily in Paris. I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but like Emily in Paris is right, like that Netflix show. I don't know if you guys have watched it or seen it or heard about it. Okay, so apparently I haven't honestly watched it either, but like everybody just like rags on this show because it is so terrible and it is written so. <laughs> It is written atrociously from what the snippets that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But this show still got nominated for Emmys, despite everything. And the reason why is because, essentially, they were funding them. Like, apparently they took out some of the people who would vote to, like, a whole all-paid trip to Paris, everything, like, fancy-schmancy, whatever. And they took them out. <laughs> and yeah, that's why you got the... Yep, and that's why you got the Emmy nomination. So, I don't know. Sorry, that was off tangent, but that's just what I was reminding me of. Yeah. Sorry, Rhea, I haven't heard your yeah, voice. Exactly. What do you think about Sophia? Yeah. I mean, I'm just listening to what you guys are saying, and they're all like valid. And I think, I think that this is good because it kind of started this conversation of maybe we need to find a balance between being like completely doing everything under the table and being transparent. And I think we can kind of walk along and, like, find that balance. Um, But then I'm also thinking, as you guys are talking, that if it was to be, like, 
like if this stuff was to happen in the open and you had people that are vouching for like one specific actor or whatever then it kind of would turn into like a fan club of sorts and who has the popularity contest yeah Yeah, exactly exactly so i think i think there's a very fine balance between that and like not having something that's completely a popularity contest yeah i'm curious to see how like the academy like what they do with this going forward and allow something like this going forward again Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and i think it's going to be interesting to see like if they do anything with it i think that they probably won't because i think that this kind of stuff is probably just like very like norm for them and people will forget it next award season so i don't know it'd be interesting to see if they do anything all right so in terms of the best actress then are we all pretty happy with michelle because i I feel like everybody was reading for her right yes (laughs) yeah very happy yeah i definitely agree do you feel like do you guys feel like though um kate blanchett was a strong contender for that okay definitely i i feel like if anything i was biting my nails between michelle Yeoh and kate blanchett because Ria, I know you haven't seen Tar yet, but it's a very like, mm-hmm. it's a very character-driven kind of movie. And Kate Blanchett, she's supposed to be like this composer, and she's not mm-hmm. supposed to. The thing is, she's not that cool of a character, but like, she does a good job of really sort of getting deep with this character. That mm-hmm. you sort of see her. You can't see her as anybody else. So mm-hmm. right, I feel like it's a good competition. But Michelle Yeoh, because she plays so many different roles in this movie, and she plays something that you just haven't seen and popularized as much, mm-hmm. like an Asian immigrant mother. I feel yeah. like definitely gives her that edge. But I feel like if you were to watch this movie, Ria, you probably also agree with us that Kate Blanchett would have been a strong contender. Mm-hmm. well i i might have to watch it like i i actually really liked her i haven't seen a lot of her stuff that i can remember off the top of my head but mm-hmm. i do know that she's very compelling like i just like watching yeah that's a good word she is compelling yeah. to watch because it's a long movie so like mm-hmm. if, even if you feel like you're bored you're at least keeping your eyes on her and just the way she moves and acts exactly like there's some people that just have like that presence on screen even if they're not particularly interesting or notable Mm -hmm. so yeah no i think she's definitely like she's great in this role like as like as linda lydia 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 tar Tar? oh yeah no because her original name was linda or something Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah like lydia tar like it's very like again very great word to put to summarize it it's she is definitely very compelling as a character. It's just because, um, like, you really sort of, like, you delve into her psyche in a way, and you kind of really get into, like, you sort of, in a way, are on her, are, like, to be honest, I don't know if you felt, if you felt this, Noir, but I was just, like, I was in her, on her side, to be honest, throughout the whole film, because I was like, oh, no, she can't be the person who would do that like yeah. i'm not trying to spoil anything yeah. ria but like, that's okay <laughs> um but like i was like oh it's probably not her they're probably just making it up like that's that can't be like you want to root for her you, right yeah yeah because you also see everything sort of from her perspective and it doesn't seem like there's anything that like would hint towards that but like mm-hmm. In retrospect, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, like, it was just, like, these little moments and these little instances where I'm like, okay, I could see where 
like you could see this character would definitely be capable of doing this. Yes. I like right? that the movie sort of builds to that. Like you don't know it right away, but as you're watching mm-hmm. it, you're like, you know what? I th- think I'm starting to see it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you think just... you know a person, you think you know a character, but you, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's just like I guess that's kind of sort of very. It symbolizes how people are too, like or what you think of people, because you always have those like people, you know, on like on news like articles or whatever. They're like, I didn't know that they were the serial killer because they seem to be Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I could have never guessed it in a million years. Exactly. <laughs> very very stereotypical, but to be honest, that's exactly the line people say, right? Mm-hmm. When they hear about mm-hmm. their next door neighbor was a serial killer or murderer, I was like. He was the friendliest person. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like really liked, I really liked Tar, honestly. Like, because you do have that sort of slow buildup, like, of who she is. And you see her persona. And then, like, you sort of also delve into her, like, kind of how she does develop this sort of paranoia. And, like, essentially this guilt. Yeah. Like, this slow guilt that starts to eat away at her, essentially. And then you sort of see, like how she was at the beginning of the film versus like how she is at the end which i thought was a very great contrast oh amazing contrast to the point where like i was laughing at what where she was at the end Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i thought that was like pretty interesting and i do i did appreciate the apocalypse now reference at the end too because i was just like because that's one of my all-time favorite films so i was like oh okay that's so interesting because it's just like i don't know it was just a really little small like line that was said when she was on that boat i don't know if you remember that tell me what it was because i've seen apocalypse now but i don't remember (laughs) it was basically because it was like essentially lydia was um on like on a boat and then she was putting her hands in the water and then the person was just like oh there might be alligators in the water and then he, and then she's just like, why or whatever. And she's, and then he's like, oh, they pro- they let them loose from the apocalypse now movie or whatever or something like that. Oh, really? They said that. Okay. Yeah. So I I found that actually very interesting, just because I don't know. It's a, like a really weird small snippet of like, oh, the influence sort of of like essentially Hollywood on essentially like and this, the destruction they sort of leave on other on other countries when they do film things or they take advantage of resources and things like that on other countries which i, I don't yeah. know i thought it was a really interesting snippet there because it does also speak to like sort of how people do take advantage of other people or other sort of systems and things like that which i thought went really well in a really weird subtle way with like lydia's story as well mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I don't know if that was the intention, but that's how I sort of read into it, too. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I I don't remember that, but that's interesting <laughs> that they would include that. That, like, the movie isn't 100% about that, but they felt the need to say that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Um. Okay. Are we good to move on to the best actor category? yes yes okay so this category was one of the ones where i was like anybody could win because i i I don't know there i feel like there was a chance that anyone could win because there's no one person where i thought they were better than the other because everybody did a good job so best actor here we go Mm -hmm. we have colin farrell for the 
Banshees of Inisherin. We have Austin Butler for Elvis. Bill Nighy. I always forget how to pronounce his last name. Basically, uh, he played the curator, the museum guy from the Vincent and the Do- uh, Doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So he was nominated for Living, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Fraser was the one who won. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think we've discussed like we discussed the whale last time, but I or we were gonna bring it up or something last time. But I agree, like I definitely agree, like he's a solid like nomination, like right, like it's very much well deserved for like the performance he gave in the whale. Like I think, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good performance on his part. I would, I would agree. I actually got the chance to watch this movie. Um. <laughs> I mean, I I did like his performance. I thought personally, like the movie itself was a little like, yeah, much. Like it was interesting, but it it just it felt like really flat. Like I don't know, it just thank you. It, yes. it felt really drawn out, and long, and like really like beating the point to death, kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. Like there were some things where like, I'm like, okay, I get it. You're trying to be. <laughs> You're trying to trying to make I a think point. Trying too hard, right? Yeah. This is exactly like it. Just it was kind of jarring. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we get it as well. Like it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. And I found it. I found it honestly. His like character was a very interesting character because you do have like sort of where I don't I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but like he does essentially like he seems like a very good character. Right? Like, he seems very, mm-hmm. like, optimistic, always trying to look for the best in people, right? Like, he's trying to look for yeah. the best in his daughter. Like, he keeps on, like, pointing that in that he, he that he sees her, like, in, in a such a good, like, good light, even though she is being such a moody and, to be honest, a pretty kind of awful, like... Yeah, she was yeah, awful. Like, Holy fuck, she was terrible. Oh my god. Right? And, like, he's just trying yes. to see that goodness in her and trying to essentially make other people see that goodness in her. And then even, like, the the, the missionary dude, like, he's trying to yeah. see, like, the good in him and, yeah. like, that. But, to be honest, he's actually a very selfish character. Like, he's very Oh my god, selfish. yeah. Because... Holy shit, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> no, I'll just say this one final comment and you can go off. Um, but basically, he's such a selfish character because he's the one who now, because he knows he's going to die, that he mm-hmm. introduces and starts talking to his daughter. I'm sorry, but that is one of the most yeah. selfish things to do, which is that, yeah. oh, because like I am dying is now when I will deign myself to like talk to you, sort of. You know, like it's very yeah. selfish of her, of him to bring her in at his final dying moments and he she didn't even have a chance to get to know him really and then mm-hmm. he's just doing it for his own sort of catharsis right like he, like i don't know that that was uh, like that rubbed me the wrong way that like he seemed like he he thought he was good and like and that was felt yeah. like that was being pushed rather than examining like sort of how selfish she actually really is like it was trying to paint him as good and as a victim of sorts you know because it's like mm-hmm. his partner passed away and everything that like oh yeah. woe is me sort of thing yeah i mean not to take away that like with the whole eating disorder thing which i think they portrayed really well like i love mm-hmm. like to be honest i got goosebumps when there was that scene where he sort of just like starts just 
eating everything like he just go yeah he has this fi- final breaking point of sorts and then he just like goes at it and just starts engulfing everything so like y'all i i was mm-hmm. i was eating when i was watching this movie <laughs> <laughs> i was like i should stop eating it just put you off it you off that's it <laughs> Yeah, I was like, um, like literally like a mirror or something. Cause I was literally like, I had came, like I came home from work and I was having dinner mm. and I was like, just like, you know, eating and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm opening up the floor for you, Ria. Go for it. Go off. <laughs> I've done my feel. No, I think exactly what you said, which is that it felt very like imposing his own, like, like agenda i guess on her on her when he had literally like ditched basically her and her um or his wife right Mm -hmm. um for this other guy which is like fine but again it all seemed very like he only cared about himself he only cared about wanting closure once he found out he was going to die right and that was that was the part that like i just absolutely hated because even at times like the daughter would like try to say something and then like he would just cut it off with like oh you're amazing or like you're whatever and it got to the point where i'm like yeah but like can you listen to what she's saying like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i don't know it was just yeah it was it was achy yeah yeah but i did yeah the, the eating disorder thing was like done so well like it was it was amazing and i kind of wish it focused more on that than like a little bit of the other stuff because yeah they tried to throw like religion mm-hmm. and like relationships and like all of this other stuff but it kind of detracted from what should have been the focus mm-hmm. um but yeah that those are my thoughts yeah yeah no i <laughs> I, I completely agree because it's like I, to be honest, I kind of wanted a, maybe it's the English literature nerd inside of me, but, like, mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit more of Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, maybe it was, yeah. it, maybe it was a little bit heavy-handed because, like, he was essentially reading an essay about Moby Dick and stuff like that, but I kind of sort of wanted, like, them to keep going off of that a little bit, because the, the movie's title is yeah. The Whale, right so mm-hmm. i kind of wanted them to sort of have like a sort of a direction that they were kind of going with that sort of thematic element but right i mean i feel like somebody out there is probably already arguing that like this is what it means right or something like that <laughs> yeah you know but like i thought I, I don't know i just wanted that a little bit more again mm-hmm. that's just my little sort of like what i love to see in movies i love to see like when there's intertextualities between different sort of literature between literature texts and like other movies and things like that but i don't know like mm-hmm. i i like i appreciate the nod to like moby dick and essentially what happens in that in that book kind of relates to the book as well in that like essentially because there is that argument for moby dick that essentially the whale was not really essentially existent it was just essentially ahab essentially trying to run away sort of like, from himself and trying to hunt down something that was impossible to really grasp and things like that. So I thought mm-hmm. that, okay, that I could see sort of, like, a little bit of that, like, in, in like, The Whale, where, like, he is trying to run away, Charlie's trying to run away from himself, like, and sort of The Whale is actually him, in a way, not necessarily something that he's trying to hunt. So I thought that, mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting, but I don't know, I feel like they could have pushed that a little bit more. I feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I haven't I haven't read 
or like I don't know much about the um, Moby Dick and the, the whole classic, which I probably should, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just found it weird. I was like, why are they talking about this? <laughs> 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 it's probably like a reference, but I'm like, okay, move on. But honestly, you don't really need to know Moby Dick to really like get this movie. Like, I feel like yeah. you could even do without it if you wanted to. Like, but it's just like a nice sort yeah. of, like detail just to add to it too. For sure. Yeah. I know. What about you, Noor? What did you think? Um, well, I think I've sort of already addressed my thoughts from the last one, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I just wasn't f- a fan of how melodramatic this movie was. Like, it mm-hmm. didn't work yeah. for me where I'm like, oh my god, I know I'm supposed to be feeling some sort of way, but I just feel miserable. And not in, like, a empathetic way. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm, I just, this is too yeah. much for me. And, like, where, mm-hmm. I, once again, like, mm-hmm. where, I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was very depressing. Like I remember watching it and just wanting to sleep. I was like, okay, I'm done right. for the day. And like some movies that are yeah. depressing, they're still done in a very poignant way. This wasn't that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did tear up a little bit at the end though, like where it was uh, sort of like which to be honest, sometimes I like sometimes I go back and forth where I'm like, okay, like I did develop like an emotional connection to the end. But, like, at the same mm-hmm. time, it was an ending that fell a little bit flat, too. Yeah. Right? But, I don't know. There was, because there was the whole impact of the, like, of how it all, like, of him finally rising up. And then it's sort of ending in that white light where, like, he's, like, essentially engulfed in that memory that he had with his daughter. Which I thought was a really nice touch because it brought back the focus to the daughter, like, father, mm-hmm. like, the father-daughter sort of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I kinda like that part of it at the end. But yeah, no, I like I totally agree with you. I, like more like it totally was it was forced. And I think we did talk about that last time because it did feel like such a play. Mm-hmm. Right? When we were comparing it to women talking in that aspect. Absolutely. Sorry, Rio, what were you gonna say? Um, I oh yes, I was just gonna say that yeah, towards the end it just it was so dumb. Like mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like I don't understand why he forced his daughter to watch that. Like I would actually usher somebody away like that. Like if you know mm-hmm. um I don't know, it was just very traumatic, like for her and now she has to deal with it. She just got over the fact that her dad left. Yeah. And now she has to deal with the fact that she literally saw her dad, like, die in front of her. Mm-hmm. And then he was keeping that from her the whole time, too. Again, he's such a selfish yeah. character. He <laughs> is. Do you know how some people say that even when you feel like you're self-deprecating, it's still a form of, like, narcissism? Except mm. in the mm-hmm. opposite way, whereas where you're not talking about yourself in a positive way. And you're talking negatively and you're constantly apologizing and stuff, but you think that the world still revolves around you. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so interesting. I, that's what I feel like is that this character's getting at. And the more I hear you talking about it, the more it's like sinking in for me too, because that's what was on my mind when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely like I see I, I definitely see that because there is a lot of people who, for example, like they definitely have like depression or anxiety or like like i'll do have some like mental illnesses but i feel like what starts to happen what i see well not always starts to happen like some people what i see will happen is that they're sort of essentially their disease or their like sort of whatever it is they're going through becomes sort of like a part of their identity and then 
mm-hmm. essentially because it does it becomes a part of their identity that's kind of like they start to sort of put that emotional sort of baggage and toxicity on like people around them yeah right in their relationships mm-hmm. where like yeah they just sort of keep going over and over and over and over again about whatever it may be like with the people around them and then mm-hmm. again their mental illness starts to, starts to become their identity and then to be honest this might just be a result of like how a person is dealing with that like sort of illness and it might be mm-hmm. like maybe a symptom of that illness too like i'm not an expert but like what i will see is that like because that person has made that depression or that anxiety a part of their identity it, they do become kind of selfish in a way because they do become very mm-hmm. possessive of the people around them or they just oh, unload on the other people around them i feel so it's not necessarily like toe-to-toe with like what's going on in the whale but i do see that part of it since you brought that up more mm-hmm. uh if we're cool do we want to talk about some of the other actors in this category yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna actually suggest like can mm-hmm. we move maybe For sure. yeah. the other actors? Um, yeah so colin farrell banshees of Inna sharon and as I was saying, he it's funny because when you're watching this movie, you really feel for him at first, but then you start seeing the other characters' point of view and you realize once again that he's not this like kind kind of going back to the whole point of being self-deprecating where he, where he's like, yeah, I'm a nice guy, but like he still wants things to revolve around him, right? He doesn't want mm-hmm. other people to go free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like that yeah. was a pretty good balance that he was able to play. And I don't know. I I just yeah well, I'm just a huge Colin Farrell fan because he always chooses such interesting projects and this one worked really well for him. Yeah, I think he did like the gray area super well. Like just the way you slowly get to know more and like he was super convincing. You weren't automatically like, "Oh, this guy's good." But then you also weren't automatically like, "Oh, this guy did something wrong." Like it was just it was very mm-hmm. nicely done. Mm-hmm. He is one of those like very gray characters, right? Like he is like yeah. Essentially yeah. an everyman, kind of, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely see that. Like, I, I think, like, he would definitely be a strong contender. I also want to say, also, Paul Mescal. Oh, my God. I could talk about him all day long. <laughs> Where is he from? Um, After Sun. The movie After Sun. So okay. Yeah, he's a relatively new actor. I think he's only mm-hmm. been in, like, a couple of things. And, and now after this movie, he's going to get a lot more recognition. Mm-hmm. But what about I don't know about you, Leia, but I'm a huge fan of this movie and his acting and portrayal of being this like father filled with like depression and pain. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, I don't know. To be honest, like I'm a little bit fifty fifty on After Sun. To be honest, like I like I understood its point and that it's like supposed to be the memories of like the like the the daughter and everything like that. Like I I don't know. Like if felt like at one sort of point like it was meandering and it wasn't really getting to anything really but i understand like it was sort of going for that realistic sort of like mm-hmm. essentially like that non-linear like sort of attachment to memories and things like that and like the, her she was trying to essentially like connect the dots of her dad's like condition and all that sort of stuff but i don't know it just it it didn't do it for me as well like it didn't do it for me like i love though paul mescal's like performance in it like i love his portrayal of like depression and like sort of how you see that little tidbits uh, like can you peek into kind of seeing how he sort of essentially 
just sort of become like destroys himself sort of or just degenerate sort of like yeah it becomes like self-destructive yes that's what i was going for yeah self-destructive yeah. and like so self-destructive yeah uh, ria quick recap of this movie this was like my favorite <laughs> movie of last year but like it, it's Ooh, a very, okay like it's a slow burn so i can understand where Lael is coming from that it's not really for everybody it definitely has that more indie art house vibe going for it so mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could watch it if you want but if you don't like i also understand but i don't know i thought it was really beautiful because the story is basically like i think in the late 1980s 90s a father yeah. takes mm-hmm. his daughter to turkey mm-hmm. i think for vacation and at first you yep. think he's sort of just watching okay this father and daughter just hanging out and connecting and bonding but then you start to see mm-hmm. that there is a bit of a narrative as they flash forward to like the present day and you see the daughter is going back through these tapes and watching her father in them at that time they had together and sort of just reflecting on like her innocence of not knowing what's going on and her just being so focused on being an 11 year old and going through puberty and all that kind of stuff um mm-hmm. yeah. i thought it was a very well done movie it is like i said it takes a while but even just watching the memories of like getting into it like i like the conversations they're having the bond they have as father and daughter for me like father daughter bond seeing that on screen always gets to me especially when it's done really well so i mm-hmm. that's why i had a very strong emotional like attachment to it and like Paul Maskell was so so good in this movie like portraying that because he's essentially like only 30 years old but he happens to be a father but he still plays it really well and you can tell that he's a really good father and that he's trying and even mm-hmm. trying means so much despite him having to deal with whatever's going on in his head as well yeah yeah oh yeah. That sounds um. That sounds like a very interesting movie. I think. Did you also talk about this in your best I did, movies? Yeah. Because okay, okay, yeah. So now it's coming back to me. That sounds really interesting, and I think I might actually watch it. Yeah, for sure. I would say though, like if you're not for me, like I'm also not the kind of person who likes slow burn stuff unless it pays off really well. To me, I feel like it did pay mm-hmm. off well. So just sort of go with that in mind that it is a slow movie that you might feel like it's not going anywhere right yeah is it um i mean is is the ending sad <laughs> i it feel like it, it might bit, be yeah but yeah. like once uh, again it's okay. not like the whale where it's overdone to me at least i thought it very was very subtle. beautifully done yeah no, it's very okay. subtly done like which i really i did appreciate that part of it to be honest maybe my viewing was a little bit like not great just because like i was watching it but like my family was sort of around me as i was watching it so they kept on. They weren't able to pay attention. Yeah, like they were just trying to, like they were just making fun of the film. <laughs> to be honest, though. Oh, you watched it with them? <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't trying to watch it with them. I was just trying to watch it in my living room. But everybody was just coming and going, and like, some people were sitting, some people were leaving. Like it was just like, yeah, like I wasn't see. the best timing to watch it, but. Yeah, that might have ruined it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would suggest now that you know what happens in the movie, maybe you should do a rewatch and see if it works for you now, now that you know what happened and Mm -hmm. what the movie's trying to say. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I might do that. Just like I feel like it's a movie that you need to watch sort of alone, like yeah, and when you're sort of in that mood, because that's like I feel like when you're able to really like delve into it and take it in. Yeah. Question, by the way, did you, guys, did you guys think that Austin Butler deserved to be nominated oh, here? Oh, this is interesting. Because, Rhea, did you watch Elvis? 
I did not, but I know who that is. And I want to say I don't get the appeal. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely can't say. I know from like all these Nickelodeon and Disney shows. Like, is that where he's like, from? Right. Yeah. I remember okay. seeing like from like iCarly or Hannah Montana and all those kinds of shows. Oh my what? I didn't even know he was in those. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you look at like all the clips of him you'll be like oh yeah you've seen him because he's so familiar mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure he showed up in like the prequels for the, the the carrie diaries or something the prequel to sex in the city show mm-hmm. something like that i don't know but yeah yeah he's been mm-hmm. around okay oh. I mean, see like i felt like vaguely his face was so familiar but i'm like i don't know where i've seen him because i don't know he's never he's not has never really blown up on the radar for me but like so I was like, okay, unexpectedly, he seemed to come out of nowhere. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, but what do we think about him? About again, about him oh, being yeah. nominated. So about for the him. Category? So him being nominated, I feel I didn't get to see enough of him in the movie for me to recognize whether or not he was. I thought he was good as Elvis. I don't know if it could have been better. I, I don't know. Like I said in the previous episode, I feel like the whole manager taking over the narrative just, just you know, took me off so much in the editing style. Like, just took mm. me out. So, like, I... He just sort of felt lost within the movie, even though mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the star. Yeah, you did mention that, I believe, last episode, too. Yeah. So you felt like it just didn't do it. I do him any good. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm 50-50. Like, I'm thinking whatever I can remember from his performance, and like I did like, mm-hmm. I I I don't hate it at all. But what mm-hmm. do you think? Because I want to hear your thoughts. Honestly, I feel like to be like this is a very much a very typical like Oscar thing to do. Anybody yeah. who's in a biographical role, hundred percent. That's like a straight way to get nominated. To be honest, for for like an Oscar, like yeah, it's um, become like a shortcut lately. Yeah, it has. And it's honestly, it, like, that's, uh, like, I was watching some, watching or reading some articles, I don't even remember what, but, like, they were saying, they were mentioning that how, like, the chance, they were ca- essentially calculating your chances of being able to win an Oscar, and they were saying that essentially, like, a huge thing that the Oscars do, like, that, like, you get a nomination for and you get an award for is if there's some sort of, like, bodily transformation associated with your role or some sort of, like, like bodily transformation associated with for example if you're taking a biographical role that's usually where it's at like that's a surefire way <laughs> of yeah, being able to nominate them. it so like hey just low-key if you want to win an oscar anybody out there just transform yourself to not look like yourself basically. i think that's why i appreciate like people calling like colin farrell and paul mescal being nominated because they didn't have to do that they were just doing a really good job with their performance mm-hmm but like getting back to like his I guess his acting like kind of in the movie. I don't think to be honest there's much of him acting. Like weirdly enough, like I was going to ask how much do you guys think there's acting versus he just kind of happens to look like a young Elvis. Like see that's what I think. I like I, I feel like there's there weren't like there wasn't enough I think for him. Like obviously his looks are there like his singing and like his like I guess it's like his guitar playing and showmanship and that sort of stuff like definitely great, but do I yeah. see acting necessarily being done? 
And I think, to be honest, I blame the movie for it. And I think that kind of goes with you, Noor, is that, like, there was so much more emphasis sort of on the narrator, which was Tom Hanks in the movie, rather than necessarily, like, Austin Butler sort of leading the narrative in the story. That you don't see necessarily, like, Austin Butler, like, acting. Like, there wasn't many, there weren't many chances of him acting. Like, I do not remember, honestly any stand-up scene where I've where I saw like a great amount of emotion like from Austin Butler um you know I feel like for me there's a difference between acting and reenacting mm-hmm. and I feel like that's sort mm-hmm. of where like Austin Butler's performance mm-hmm. dies, where he's probably reenacting certain scenes from Elvis's life but he doesn't feel like he's Elvis himself besides like yeah 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 exactly 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 yeah like you, mm-hmm. um, you know the crown? Have you watched what it? What is it, sir? The Crown. Oh, yeah, the show? Yeah. yeah no, I haven't seen it. I've seen, like, clips here and there and some people talking about it, but no, I haven't really yeah. watched it. Same that happened with Princess Diana. Like, the actress who plays her plays, like, very, like, reenacts her so well to the point where you're, like, I mean, like, it's original and it's an art to be able to reenact it well, but then it also necessarily acting, even though she's really good, if that means. Mm. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry, what were you saying? I cut you off. Um, no, I was just going to kind of, like, reiterate sort of, like, like, an echo, like, sort of what you were saying, too. Like, it's more of the portrayal of the person rather than necessarily them like, really delving into the emotions or, like, sort of that person's yeah. essentially mind space, I guess, in a way. Like, it's not really, like, you're not getting, you're not feeling that through, you're not getting that across, I felt. If you call it, like, mimicry as opposed to acting. Yeah. That'd be a great way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. Like, imitation, mimicry, not mockery, but maybe more, like, imitation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like, I'm trying to think, okay, who else could possibly have been nominated, though? If not, like, for me, for example, one of the biggest snubs of the year, I don't know if any of you have seen Jordan Peele's Nope. Oh, I haven't seen it, still. I've seen the trailer. It's, I thought it was it was a movie that I was obsessed with when it came out, so I thought mm-hmm. maybe someone like Daniel Kaluuya should have been nominated. Or that there's that South Korean movie everyone was talking about, Decision to Leave. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good too. So it's like some of these other snubs movies, like I thought maybe would show up, maybe in these acting categories at least. I was kind of surprised that we ended up with Elvis. Yeah, yeah. No, especially like because I've heard so many great things about Decision to Leave that I'm surprised, to be honest, it didn't get nominated anywhere. Completely shunned. Yeah. It was a shocker. Mm-hmm. Which is really strange, because, like, I would think that after Parasite winning, sort of, like, it would set, like, a precedent, but I guess it didn't. I think that was more of, like, I hope it's not the case, but it kind of feels more of, like, a tokenism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we gave it to you guys, now shut up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, uh, I mean, like, this year is pretty hopeful, though, right? Because you have Michelle Yeoh, who did win, like, That's the, right. like, right, the, like, the Oscar as the leading actress, so, like, I would imagine that, like, definitely struck some waves you know like so hopefully it's I'm good i'm hoping that's still like you're making a difference for sure yeah yeah 
Um, do we, did we want to move to the next category? Oh, right. Yes. So this is the last category and apparently it's known as biggest category of the night, biggest award, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. best picture. Ooh. Best picture mm-hmm. has 10 nominations. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this was a change in recent years or if it's always been like this, but that's always been interesting to me that like every other category has five nominations, but best picture has 10. Mm. Mm. Um, so here are the nominees. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar mm-hmm. The Way of Water, Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, The Fablements, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, and Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is the winner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say off the bat, I don't understand why Avatar and Top Gun were nominated. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I... I <laughs> I've been hearing people say that there's been this trend lately where they've been trying to include more like popular movies, I guess. And these mm. were fine movies. It's not to say that they were awful, but they didn't like, besides like on a, on a technical level, I don't know what these movies did that really pushed the boundaries of like directing and screenplay and acting and that kind of stuff. So I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm not sure why it's here. Yeah, because it's like, to be honest, I, for me, like, in my mind, what I would consider, like, as, I guess, worthy of being a best picture, if they overall had, like, great directing, great story, great, like, characters, like, great acting, like, just yeah, overall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like, again, like, what you're saying, like, if technically they were nominated, 100%, which I think they were, right? Yeah. Like, that makes sense to me, but as an overall thing, not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. Then that didn't make much sense to me either. And I'm assuming that's what something like Bohemian Rhapsody was going for back when it was nominated. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was like more of, I guess, the Elvis of this year, right? Like it's kind yeah. of like the bio biography like movie of the year, you know? So. <laughs> It makes sense but, but, why mm-hmm. sorry it was it made sense why he was nominated just because Oscars love the biographies so it made sense but like I don't know like overall as a movie I don't think it deserved like an Oscar yeah like yeah I, so, so like I don't know those choices are always very surprising um what I have seen is like just there's this <laughs> video that. There's this one video that I keep referencing about Oscar voting. I'll send it to you guys later. But Mm -hmm. they were explaining how the voting system works within when it Mm -hmm. comes to like, especially like when it comes to best picture. I think it's called preferential voting. Mm -hmm. And basically what it does Mm -hmm. is it gets it gives a lot of importance to like what they do is if they have if you have like 10 nominations, they ask you to rank them as opposed to just pick one, which one's your favorite. Mm, Okay. then from there the interesting process of elimination is that the middle picks have a higher chance of winning than the top picks if the top picks isn't the same for everybody. Oh, okay. So for example, let's say if if a bunch of us had everything everywhere as our number one, mm-hmm. then the, that, that that's it. Like automatically that would have been the winner. As long as that's 50 plus 1% of votes i think that's how they reference it mm-hmm. if it has 50 plus one percent of votes at, at number one mm-hmm. then yeah it's the winner but if it doesn't if it's more spread out then they have to do like this crazy process of elimination kind of thing 
where they start looking at your number twos and they treat that as your number one and then your number threes and so on and so forth. Mm, okay. I knew, oh, okay. Y'all, that's more complicated than our political system. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I think they do it so that everybody gets a bit more of a fair chance and it's not just the most mm. popular movie. But mm -hmm. then you get movies like Elvis or Top Gun Maverick or whatever that end up moving on ahead compared to other ones that mm -hmm. might have more full package that we're talking about. Mm, okay, interesting. Right. I mean, I don't know if what I would suggest as an alternative to that, because I would imagine the whole process would be so difficult and you're trying to be objective as possible with it, right? That would be, like, exactly. really hard to, like, create a system that would be, like, as fair, right? I mean, our whole, like, our political system is not fair either, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was interesting, too, that, that that system is sort of supposed to hold hold all the nominations and on on in sort of like equal plane I, I i guess it does but at the same point like i i don't know how some of these are even like yeah i guess things just fall through the fall through the cracks yeah. right exactly yeah. but at the end of the day like i mean everything everywhere all at once won so like mm -hmm. there's only so much that we can go on about yeah i'm so i'm wondering That's actually true. for all of for for both of you, what would your what would be your best picture of the year of twenty twenty? Absolutely, it would be everything everywhere all at once. Like, I mean, I'm very happy with the fact that mm -hmm. it won. I'm trying to think if it wasn't for whatever reason, if it wasn't here, what other movie I would pick? Mm -hmm. I think it would probably be The Banshees of Inisherin next because that one was just like a really close second. Mm. Okay, and for you, Ria. Um, yeah, for me, it would be Banshees. <laughs> it's, like, it's a favorite. Um, like, I don't know. Exactly. Like, and I don't know why. It just, I really like how you can, like, tie it up with a bow and, like, it's all it is. You know, it's like the simplicity of it trumps the chaoticness of mm -hmm. everything all at once, I mm -hmm. think, for me. For me, I guess it's like, because I honestly do agree with everything all at once, because I feel like it was the everything package, because, like, great screenplay great dialogue great like sort of portrayal and like handling of like so many multiple themes and like each one was done really well and the acting yeah. again was also really great that like definitely everything all at once would definitely be my pick i think my second would probably be a tie mm -hmm. to be honest between like tar and like banshees like i feel like those two for mm. me would be like on the same level interesting yeah. like yeah i mean have we even have we even talked about all quiet on the on the Western Front? By the way, I don't think we have. It's been all quiet. I have to say though, I I'm surprised that it got as many nominations as it did. But like, cause I it got nominated and then I watched the movie yeah. and I did like yeah. it. It's not to say that I didn't, but I don't know if you could call it an adaptation. I think I talked about it in the previous episode too. It didn't feel like it went along with the book as much because I remember loving the book when we read it in high school. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this isn't exactly that. This is more of like a technical show off, I feel mm -hmm. like. I mean, I can't speak to the book personally because I haven't actually read it. Um but I'll say, like, to be honest, I'm kind of done with, like, World War One or World War yeah. Two movies. Like, let's be honest, like, after 1917, which came out, I remember, not that long ago, like, I'm kind of 
done with like World War II. I actually I really enjoyed 1917. Really? Like off sure. Yeah, but apparently wasn't it like it was like they shot the entire thing in like one, one yeah. sort of thing, and that that was crazy for me. So I really enjoyed yeah. that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know about this one though. It seems like they're all the same after a while. So same, yeah. yeah, like I don't know. Like watching this and like because I was thinking, I was mentally comparing it to 1917, and I'm like, okay, these like pretty much feel like the same exact sort of yeah, the same movie, <laughs> to me. Yeah. like the mm-hmm. gimmick of 1917 was the used to one take right so yeah. like okay i get it for me i think i was comparing it more so to the book as opposed to 1917 because 1917 when i watched it i remember being very bored so mm. i personally like this more than 1917 and because i remember reading this book but mm-hmm. um so like i i'm kind of like happy that it was nam- nominated but if you're looking for like yeah if you're looking for like an international movie something more like decision yeah movie, yeah like and i like I, I feel like i agree with that just because it's like i don't know quite on the western front like i i understand what it was kind of going for and it was really interesting i think what was the most interesting thing about it is because you see it from the german perspective yeah. which you don't see in hollywood right like in hollywood germans are the enemies and you're the, that's like pretty much the narrative right but you do see the sort of the <laughs> other side of it which i thought was quite interesting because again very novel with all with all the other movies and i thought that was very interesting because it was essentially very humanizing for essentially the german side right because you do see that it is the same the same exact sort of brainwashing of like the poor young like the pure, poor young, pure young men who went into this, like you see the brainwashing of like we must do this for the fatherland and that sort of patriarchal like all like speech that they always give and everything like that. You see that in American like sort of like movies that are about like our world about World War One, World War Two, like as like this sort of essentially cultish like gaslighting essentially mm. of young men to join like the military and the army and. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know you can see it right now happening in mm-hmm. Russia. As 100%. Well. I mean, mm-hmm. like to be honest, like I feel like it's like weirdly enough, I feel like it's part and parcel of joining any sort of army or military because to be honest, like you are giving your life away when you're signing up to give your life away. I don't know how else you could convince people other than for them to see some sort of greater purpose, the greater purpose other themselves than than themselves, which would be like in this case in all quiet on the western front it is the the indoctrination of like oh we must defend our fatherland oh this is something for you to prove your manliness and your masculinity which again is like a rhetoric that's always been repeated like in every single sort of war like i mean you have like the whole thing with against like iraq and afghanistan right and you have all of this really weird cultish like patriotism of it that the U.S. has mm-hmm. built around that, you know, like I don't know if you guys have noticed that or like seen that, like in a lot of like sort of stories that cover like the war, like the wars, or just even the way they really sort of praise like the veterans that come back. Like there was that whole, whole American Sniper movie, which was that was a whole shit show, but but like there's. I just yeah. honestly just avoid a lot of war movies. I don't care for it. So I, mm. cause I, 
I feel like I already know what to expect. So like I, I usually just don't think it's a good waste of my time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, honestly, for me, I'm inter I'm like into it a little bit because I'm interested in sort of the essentially. Because to be honest, like uh, at least currently, like a lot of these sort of wars that are like happening at the moment, they are essentially like a variant of colonization. To be honest, like in imperialism. So that's why. I personally find it very interesting because, like, we do think that, like, we currently do think that, like, oh, there isn't any active, like, sort of colonization, but it is still a part of our, like, current day-to-day. -day. And that's why I find it very interesting because it does act in a very subtle way, but we just do not notice it anymore because it is the narr narrative around it has been construed that we don't see it as colonization or imperialism. Yeah. Which I find very interesting. So that's why, I don't know. <laughs> Getting back to, I guess, so quiet. I don't know where I was going to go with this. But... Um, can I just say, so this, since both of you haven't read the book, there is a stark yeah. difference between this movie and the book. And that's why there's been a bit of contention around it. Because in the book, mm -hmm. you see, you look at the, like, of, of Paul, I think his name was. You look yeah, at yeah, his Paul. life more personally, whereas this movie focuses more on just, like, the general war is bad, war sucks kind of thing. Because in the book, there's, like, a section where he gets a chance to go home to his mom. And because, like, mm -hmm. in the beginning of the movie, I don't know if you remember, Leo, but he talks about, like, being close with his mom and how, like, they wouldn't let him go at first. And this was, you know, before he found out that, you know, this war sucks and that what he's doing isn't actually, you know, meaningful or good. But, um, mm -hmm, yeah, so mm -hmm. there's a point in the book where, like, he gets a chance to go to, back to his mom. And what the book does really well is that it focuses on the isolationist part of it, where he's coming mm -hmm. back and he doesn't feel like he belongs to his home anymore because he's become so indoctrinated within, within all the wartime stuff that's been going on. So the book does a good job of like really following that personal struggle and that feeling of alienation coming back where you feel so purposeless but you also don't want to go yeah, back to yeah. the war that you don't know what else you're gonna go through yeah which is i feel like a lot of like um a lot of veterans do say that or like they do mention that right like it's not even just like what would happen in the world war is like any sort of war like any soldiers that would come back there is a sense of like a sense of like PTSD but it's also like because you were in such an extreme sort of situation that like you are essentially have been geared to kind of want like to be always be expecting something that like when you do come to ordinary life like it seems too quiet it seems like too still like that you don't know what to do and there's a little bit of a god complex that has to actually to deal with this too because you are in such an extreme position of power of being able to take one person's life that it's kind of like okay now you don't have this power anymore who are you mm -hmm. now exactly right? yeah i i just mm -hmm. sort of wish that the movie went more into like the personal aspect of it because, like, this mm -hmm. movie, we've seen this movie a hundred times in different movies. So I would have liked to see more of just, like, the characters. Because this, when it released more than, like, this book, when it was released a hundred years ago, it was known for that, mm -hmm. that personal struggle. Because it was written almost like an autobiography. And the the author, like, didn't die or anything, like, at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. But this movie was literally banned when Nazi Germany was around. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how important dangerous and exactly mm. how that's how 
dangerous his book was so the fact that the movie didn't exactly do that part justice kind of mm-hmm. sucks but it was a fine movie yeah yeah now i would i would argue that it would actually would have lended it a lot more like of a critique right if like they did show that sequence that you're talking about like that would have lended to be honest i feel like the movie a bit more of a thematic like edge to it because to be honest like you kind of do obviously see like the because if you do compare and contrast like paul's like how he is at the beginning of the movie where he's very like happy and he's excited to like be in the war and then you sort of contrast that with the end where obviously he passes away so you kind of contrast that like sort of like where he has a name he's excited he has friends he has a life and all that sort of stuff and then where at the end he doesn't even get the merit of his dog tag thing whatever it is being taken so he is one of those nameless people like soldiers who do get like buried and nobody knows where the body is or where they get buried in the end so it's kind of like a really interesting contrast between that like the beginning and the end and i think i think like you don't necessarily see that pointed critique of like what war really does to people as much like obviously you do see like okay his identity is taken away like it's essentially he was essentially killed in the last few seconds like which I feel like, which is such a tragic point it's so to the whole sad. thing. Like literally, the it's so last tragic. Seconds before they're free. Oh god, that like that killed me at the end. Yeah. So like, real quick, oh. I also just mm-hmm. really enjoyed like going back to what you were saying about like the dog tag and the identity being life lost. I do like how they showed like the cyclical nature of all this. Where like at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, you see like someone wearing him wearing someone else's. Yeah. Like, someone else's yep, outfit yep. who was in the war when the movie ends off like i thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and i did actually like thank you for bringing that up actually so because like i see in my notes here there was like i did like bring up that there was a sort of a cyclical nature because if you if you listen to at the beginning when they're like singing that song when they're like sort of marching in the beginning like it's like a song about drinking and women or something i don't even remember exactly what it was but it was like sort of a happy sort of like folky kind of song at the beginning and it's interesting that they actually like also sing it at the like near the end of the film as well they do that yeah they do so i was like i thought that was so interesting that they start singing it and i think this was also when they i think when they heard news of like the um the uh what is it called the truce i guess or the treaty was signed or something like that oh like the treaty almost yeah, yeah, like the treaty that they signed that was in the train or whatever, and that like finally ended the war and everything. So like oh, I thought, it, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like I, they sing the song like at the end as well, which I thought was very interesting because it's sort of in a way signaling that they're trying that everything is trying to return to its place as where it was in the beginning, which I thought that was like pretty interesting because nothing is the way it was at the beginning but there's some sort of normalcy in a way that they're trying to return to which i think is sort of a facade as to like because so many lives have been lost but then there's still this sort of like you don't stay with that like everything just moves on in a way. exactly yeah ria where are you at i haven't heard your voice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm the audience. I'm surprised we went as long as we did about all quiet of all movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
it feels like high school, high school again. So class, I'm right? just like, <laughs> oh my god, don't uh, like, I, like I tell you, these war movies do not get me. I remember in high school. I don't know if you guys took this course, but it was an American history course, and then we were watching mm-hmm. like Passchendaele. I don't know if you guys have seen um, that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was falling asleep. In, I fell asleep in class. That was I took the opportunity to fall asleep because I was not into it at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I guess anything else that really stands to us from Oh Quiet. I don't like. I don't remember to be honest. Very distinct things. Oh, I remember also like which was very also like ironic and also very cyclical as well just that, that just came to mind is i don't know if you remember where like um paul and i forgot what who his um friend was and they went to go steal like a goose oh yeah, or, yeah. from the farm right from the farmer and that basically when they do it like it was so funny to me because the first time like the the friend he's like oh it would be so so ironic if like i die from like like, is this worth dying for? Like, them trying to get the goose or whatever, yeah. right? And it is so ironic because the second time around, he's the one who actually dies because of the, they stole, like, a couple of eggs from the same exact farm. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was so ironic. Like, I'm like, okay, that was clever. That, that was pretty clever, like, and ironic in that, again, that very, per- like, cyclical sort of way, too. <laughs> they do a lot of that in the movie. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I'm realizing that too which i i feel like just gives more credit to the actual filmmaking of the movie which i i I see why it's here i guess Mm -hmm. like that's the thing though i feel like it does have really great strong points that you could pull out of it but at the same time there was a lot of stuff which was like i'm like okay i like i see it like i'm like that's pretty obvious i don't know like there was no again there's no subtlety really and like not so much that you could read into this movie i feel right yeah that hasn't been said exactly oh yeah um yeah so i guess with that we should probably wrap up because we've gone through all the categories the biggest awards of the night has been presented and given to everything everywhere which is a movie we all unanimously love Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's done quite the sweep won a lot of categories even some of the cad Mm -hmm. categories i think well deserved i think it's so well deserved except for that supporting actress category please like that was no (laughs) yeah i'm glad that everybody loved it as and the daniels it's so good i can't wait to see what they do and and even if it's not similar even if in terms of quality if it's just as good 100 percent. no i totally agree like i feel like this mm-hmm. is very hopeful because it really like shows that like okay like really original ideas work and they work pretty well like yeah so i hope we start to we like see that a lot more i mean i know that this is very it is correlated maybe with like the whole marvel fatigue that's going on too so i don't know i'm hopeful me too yeah, I um I really want to see the trend in like doing like niche or stuff that like doing it well, like doing one thing that nobody like really focuses on that people might think it's normal or maybe not so normal, but really like doing it so that it's like you're an expert on it, if that makes sense, and not like overreaching and kind of like diluting 
I guess, the meaning of whatever it is. I don't know. I, I really mm-hmm. like small niche stuff. I'm with yeah. you on that. Right? This movie has that <laughs> in its tone, in its directing, its acting. Like, it, it makes sense <laughs> for it to have been, for it to have the journey that it's had just in terms of, like, recognition. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I totally agree. I want to... Yeah, I want to take this opportunity to thank you both for joining this episode because this was so much fun and so new and something different that we haven't had a chance to do on this podcast yet. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Thank you. I'm honestly, I I enjoyed it because this felt like a little sort of project in a way. Like I haven't been so intensely into movies in quite a while. So this was kind of like a sort of a nice like, reawakening yeah. kind of in a way <laughs> oh for yeah. sure i i i'm gonna say the same thing i literally i think last year i watched maybe mm-hmm. like two movies i'm not even kidding and this year i watched two alone just because of this whole thing so like yeah like definitely rekindled my I, well i never <laughs> love movies but it rekindled my <laughs> it rekindled my interest and so yeah thank you for that if we're able to do that through this podcast then that means the world to me so thank you uh yeah so i hope with this with this year the more stuff that we talk about and stuff that'll also like sort of hype you and get you to watch more movies because we'll have lots of reviews yeah. because there's an abundance of content mm-hmm. out there. So I'm pretty sure we'll be set for the rest of the year to be able to talk about all kinds of movies and even TV shows because we are going to start putting out some episodes Ooh, for TV show cool. reviews as well. Ooh, okay. Interesting. I'm, okay. I'm like wondering how you're going to format that. Like, are you guys going to watch? Like, um, It'll probably just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of the shows that we're doing, like it'll probably just be like a season review. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to do episode by episode. That's just not possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think... Actually, our next episode that we're planning to do is the Star Wars show Andor. Oh. Because it is such a good show, you guys. Like, I'll get more into it into the actual review. But even if you're not in Star Wars, the way, like, the, the political themes and stuff of that show are mind-blowing. Mm, okay. I know, Leal, especially you, I think you would really like it just because I know you like that stuff, like that deeper stuff. <laughs> it's slow, but it's good. Okay. I, I know I've been hearing like because I was talking to a fellow like colleague about it so like they even though they are not even into Star Wars they were watching it so I was like oh okay interesting it seems like yeah. to be a really universally like liked sort of show show at least because I know there's a lot of Star Wars shows out there but that seems to oh, be yeah, one yeah. of the well liked ones so yeah I think you guys I mean once the review comes out you'll you'll see for yourself mm-hmm. but I think that's something you might like so that will be our next episode um once again thank you so much for joining and to those listening thank you so so much for tuning into our oscars chat parts one and two and now part two uh you can find us on all your favorite podcast listening platforms and we'll see you next time bye bye (laughs) that's a wrap (laughs) i always wanted to say that i always (laughs) want to be like and that's a wrap (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.